in John 14, verse 1, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And whither I go, you know, and the way you know. Thomas saith unto him, Lord, we know not whither thou goest, and how can we know the way? Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Now let us pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for this privilege to preach. And I pray, O oh God, that you would help me. Give me at his strength, Lord, help my voice and empower me with the Spirit of God. Most of all, I need your touch, Lord. And I pray for understanding. I pray you'd help me to write and divide the word of God to uh, not misrepresent your word in any way. And I pray that the message would be a blessing and an encouragement and a help to the people of God. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. The subject of heaven, probably the greatest love subject in the entire Word of God. Subject of heaven. Is there a heaven? Well, some say that heaven is just a, a figment of our imagination. It's just a state of mind. And, uh, but the Bible teaches otherwise. Now, the word heaven and uh, and heavens is used about 718 times in Scripture. There are actually three heavens. Now, some you've heard maybe that there are seven heavens. There are not seven heavens. No Scripture that I'm aware of says anything about being seven heavens. But the Bible does teach that there are three heavens. Now, the first heaven is the heaven of the clouds or that we call the firmament or God called the firmament. That is the atmosphere, atmospheric heavens, uh, the air we breathe, the clouds, uh, where the birds fly, and uh, uh, the uh, expanse that uh, covers us here. Now the second heaven is the starry heavens or the planetary heavens. We find this referred to in Genesis 15 and verse 5 and 2 Kings 23 and verse 5. Talks about the second heaven or the heaven of the stars, the heaven of the planets and the galaxies and all. And then the third heaven is God's heaven. And that's the heaven I want to address tonight. You read about that in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Paul said he was called up into the third heaven. Now you can't have a third heaven without a first and a second. That is clear from that scripture in 2 Corinthians chapter number 12. The first thing I want to point out tonight is a very basic truth, but a very important truth. That is that heaven is a place. The Lord said, I go to prepare a place for you in verse 2 and 3 of John chapter 14. It is a real, literal place called heaven. Sometimes when we think of heaven, we think of, of a, a gas heaven. We think of the, of the atmosphere. And we say heaven must be uh, just, just a gas, and we think of, uh, of angels and, and of God uh, being without any form, being just a vapor, and yet there's no Bible to support this, and somehow we, uh, we uh, think this way in our mind. Heaven is a literal, tangible, real place. It is not a gas, a vapor, or uh, anything like that. It is a real place. Now, this heaven that we talk about is called the Father's house. We know the Father's house is there, or this is where God is. God is. In my Father's house are many mansions. 
And that gives us a little insight into the size of heaven. How large is heaven? Well, the Bible does not tell us definitely how large heaven is. But the Lord said there are many mansions there. Some of the new versions say there are many rooms, many dwelling places. A whole lot of difference between a room and a mansion. And I like what the Bible says. My Father's house are many mansions. Heaven, the third heaven, is where the Father's house is. Now, it is located in the third heaven in the north of the universe. Now, those that study astronomy and all, and by the way, there's a difference between astrology and astronomy. Astronomy is the study of the stars and the planets. Astrology is demonic uh, activity and something we should have nothing to do with. But uh, uh, heaven is located in the north. Now, astronomers tell us that there is a black hole in the north. As they look out through the giant telescopes at the stars, they say there is a black hole or an expanse where there is no stars. No planets, it just seems to be an empty place. Well, heaven is in the direction of the north. It's in the north of the universe as we think of it from the earth. Now, we have this in Isaiah. We'll turn there just briefly, Isaiah 14, and uh, talking about the fall of Lucifer who became the devil. And we find the reason for his fall, Isaiah 14 and verse 13. For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. <coughs> now he's talking here about God's heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. Again, you have the, uh, the uh, heaven, of course, is the highest uh, of all uh, of God's creation. He said, I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. Yet I shall be brought down to hell to the sides of the pit. Now, he said, I will sit upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. This tells us that heaven, the devil, wanted to take God's position and he was going to send into heaven, which was in the sides of the north. Also, in Psalm 75, verse 6 and 7, I'll not turn there, but he said, Promotion cometh neither from the east, nor from the west, nor from the south. That leaves one direction, and that's the north. And showing us that heaven, the Father's house, or the third heaven we're speaking about now, is in the north. Now, it was created by God. Heaven is a created place. Genesis 1-1, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Now, heaven was created before the earth. There was a heaven before the earth was created. If you study the book of Job, You'll find he talks about, God talks about the creation of the earth and he lets us know there that heaven was already created before the earth was. Now, God created heaven. Isaiah 45, 18. Let me read that verse to you. Isaiah 45, if I can find it here quickly. Isaiah 45, verse 18. For thus saith the Lord that created the heavens, God himself that formed the earth and made it. He hath established it. He created it not in vain. He formed it to be inhabited. I am the Lord and there is none else. Now, we don't have time to go into this. We've shared it with you before, but between Genesis 1-1, Genesis 1-2, there was a judgment because the earth was vain and if it, if it was not created that way, then it had to become that way. And uh, this is a verse that supports that, Isaiah 45-18. But it tells us that heaven was created by God. In other words, it just didn't happen. It was created 
It was not from eternity past. It has not been in existence from eternity past as God has. Heaven was created. Now the reason it was created was for inhabitation of God. Deuteronomy 26 and verse 15 and also Job 22 and verse 12 tells us that heaven is a habitation for God. God dwells in heaven. Now God is omnipresent. God is everywhere present, but God's throne is in the third heaven. God's house is in the third heaven or this place that we call heaven. Now, let's go to Proverbs chapter 8. Proverbs chapter 8. Proverbs 8 and verse 22. That's page 677. Proverbs right after Psalms. Proverbs 8, verse 22. The Lord possessed me in the beginning of his way before his works of old. I was set up from everlasting, from the beginning, or ever the earth was. And he's talking here about wisdom. When there were no depths, I was brought forth. When there were no fountains, abounding with water. Before the mountains were settled, before the hills was I brought forth. While as yet he had, had not made the earth, nor the fields, nor the highest part of the dust of the world. When he prepared the heavens, I was there. When he set a compass upon the face of the depth. When he established the clouds above, when he strengthened the fountains of the deep. When he gave to the sea his decree that the waters should not pass his commandment. When he appointed the foundation, foundations of the earth. Now, he tells us here that he said uh, his works of old. I was set up from everlasting from the beginning or before the earth was. So we see that God, of course, has always been, and wisdom comes from God, and that God created the heavens of old. How old is heaven? Well, we do not know. In other words, I don't, in any way, I don't know in Scripture. It tells exactly how old the heavens are. As far as that goes, how old the earth is. Now, we know this present earth is about 6,000 years old. That is, after the creation of Genesis 1 and 2. And the creation of the man is about 6,000 years. But uh, before that, God created the earth and God created the heaven before he created the earth. Now, how large is heaven? Well, we don't know that either. We know it's, uh, it's large enough. And it is large enough to support all the inhabitants of heaven. Now, Jeremiah 33, 22 tells us there is an innumerable company in heaven. Jeremiah 33, 22, as the host of heaven cannot be numbered, neither the sand of the sea measured, so will I multiply the seed of David, my servant, and the Levites that minister unto me. God talks about the host of heaven. And this includes the angels, which are innumerable, whose dwelling place is with the Father in this place called heaven. Now they carry on his ministry to the saints of God as well upon this earth. But their primary habitation is heaven. Now let me say a word about uh, uh, about spirit beings. God has, it says God is a spirit. That does not mean God is a vapor or non-existent ent entity. God has a spirit body. Jesus Christ has a glorified uh, body, a glorified physical body. And angels have spirit bodies. does not mean that angels are, are without any form. Sometimes it's hard for us to, to think. When we think of a spirit, we think of uh, just air, you know, or, uh, not any real being. But God, uh, and that's another message in itself. 
Uh, the Bible talks about God's eyes and, and God's arms, God's hands, God's feet, and, 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 uh, and all. And man was, after all, man was made in the image and the likeness of God, wasn't he? So, uh, but uh, we find that there are innumerable hosts in heaven. We find that uh, uh, the angels are there, God is there, and heaven undoubtedly is much, much larger than earth. To give you an idea of how large it may be, in Revelation 21 and 22, you have the new Jerusalem coming down from God out of heaven. That city is 1,500 miles cube, 1,500 miles long, wide, and high. That is not heaven, it comes from God out of heaven. So, lend some insight into how large this place called heaven may be. But it is large enough to support the ones that are there. Now, Job 22, if you'll turn there please, Job 22. And... Uh, and verse uh, 12, Is not God in the height of heaven? And behold the height of the stars, how high they are. Now this tells us heaven is above the stars. Is not God in the height of heaven? And behold the height of the stars, how high they are. And yet God's beyond that. And thy says, how doth God know? Can he judge through the dark cloud? Can God see? God's way up there in heaven. God's beyond the stars. And we was talking Wednesday night about stars so far away. Light traveling 186,000 miles a second. It takes tens of thousands of years for the light from that star to reach the earth, going that fast. And the Bible said heaven is above that. Can God see through the thick cloud that uh, separates heaven from earth? The Bible talks about this. And uh, we find there that uh, uh, he certainly can, of course. The, the answer is yes. Can he see as God can? How doth God know? Verse 14, Thick clouds are a covering to him that he seeth not. And he walketh in the circuit of heaven. This tells me heaven is round like the earth. So heaven is large. Heaven is above the stars. Heaven is in the north. And heaven is evidently a planet. Talks about the circuit of heaven. A circuit or a circle is round, isn't it? And so heaven is up there and it is a very real, tangible place. Now, heaven includes the Father's house, God's habitation, God's throne, God's headquarters, for the universe, with all of his angels serving him, but it also includes another place, and that we call paradise. Now, paradise has not always been in heaven, and we know that it was moved. It used to be in the heart of the earth, but it was moved in Ephesians 4 to the third heaven. We have that in 2 Corinthians 12. We'll turn there briefly, please, 2 Corinthians 12. And uh, this is familiar to most of you. 2 Corinthians 12, verse 1. It is not expedient for me, doubtless, to glory. I will come to visions and revelations of the Lord. I knew a man in Christ above 14 years ago. Whether in the body I cannot tell, whether out of the body I cannot tell, God knoweth. Such an one called up to the third heaven. Now, Paul writes about this experience. This time corresponds to the time he was stoned at Lystra there. 
He said, I don't know where I was in the body or out of the body. I cannot tell. God knows. Now, we're reading the Old Testament about two men that went to heaven without dying. Those men were Enoch and Elijah. Question is, Brother Ollis talking about this this morning in Sunday school and uh, talking about those saints of God that come out of the graves after Jesus' resurrection and appeared unto men in the city. And he brought a wonderful lesson on that. And uh, uh, there's a lot of disagreement about that. And some say all those Old Testament saints, they got the glorified body and went on to heaven. No, they didn't. There were some of the Old Testament saints. No, they weren't. And he proved it by the scripture in 1 Corinthians 15 where it says Christ is the firstfruits, the order of the resurrection, every man in his own order. Afterward, they that are Christ at his coming. So nobody will get a glorified body to the coming of Christ. But Enoch and Elijah, what about them? Or Enoch and, Enoch and Elijah, that's right. thought I made a mistake there. Enoch and Elijah, they went to heaven without dying. The Bible said flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Did they go in their physical body? Well, I don't know what chains that God uh, put them through, but they got there and they didn't leave their body behind. So undoubtedly, God changed it. They do not have their glorified body, as we know, but anyway, they did get to go to heaven without dying. Now, Paul writes, and he said, I don't know where I was in the body, or out of the body, I don't know. God knows. I was called up to the third heaven. I knew such a man, whether in the body or out of the body, I cannot tell. God knoweth. He repeats it. How that he was called up into paradise, heard unspeakable words, which is not lawful for man to utter. So we know right here that paradise is in the third heaven. And we know that before the resurrection and ascension of Christ, that paradise is in the heart of the earth. In Matthew 12, 40, as Jonah was three days and three nights in the bed of the well, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Told thief on the cross, today shall thou be with me in paradise. So we know paradise was on the heart of the earth, but it's now been moved to the third heaven and it is where the saints of God who die now go to paradise. A special compartment, a special place, a special city or whatever on this planet called heaven. If you want to call it a planet. This place that God created for himself. And uh, it includes paradise. And it is a very real place, literal, where people are very much alive. Isn't that wonderful? That our saints of God are in heaven, and heaven is just as real as earth. And by, the Bible said to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord in 2 Corinthians 5, 8. And Paul writes in Philippians, I have a desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. And the reason he could say that is because not only it was inspired of God, but he could say that because he had already been there and seen it and come back to tell us about it. He writes some experience. He said it's far better. And he tells us that heaven is a literal place. Paradise is in the third heaven and uh, is a place especially prepared of God for those that die in Christ until the resurrection when we enter into our glorified body and uh, we continue uh, the plan that God has for our life. Now, let me say here at the beginning, in case I forget to mention it through the message, is that uh, uh, we are not going to live in heaven forever. No, we're not. When a child of God dies, they go into paradise and they stay there until the rapture of the church when Jesus will bring them from heaven back to this earth and resurrect their bodies and glorify it and reunite body, soul, and spirit and we shall reign on the earth with Christ for 1,000 years. At the end of the 1,000 year period, this earth and heavens will be destroyed and uh, the, we enter the new Jerusalem which comes down from God out of heaven and the new Jerusalem will be God's 
headquarters upon the new earth. That does not mean heaven will cease to exist, but it means that this city that comes from God out of heaven will be the eternal habitation of the children of God. And we will reign on the earth and we will live on the earth. It's going to be heaven on earth. The fact it comes from heaven, it's going to really be a heaven on earth as far as that goes. But as far as us living in the third heaven forever, we will not. We will go there if we go by way of death until again the rapture when we come back with Christ. Now, uh, God created man for the earth, didn't he? He created angels for a purpose. He created man for a purpose, and man's purpose is for the earth. And that will be our purpose for eternity. And to help him govern the earth, not only the millennium, but for all eternity. Now, it includes paradise. It also includes the New Jerusalem. We've already mentioned that. It comes down from God out of heaven in Revelation 21 and verse 1 and verse 10 there. And verse 2, I believe it is, Revelation 21 there. You can read about it. The new Jerusalem, 1,500 miles, comes out of heaven. So heaven is a real place. The new Jerusalem was literal and real. Streets, trees, river, walls, foundations, gates, Literal, tangible city. Heaven is a real, literal place. And our loved ones are there, walking around, active, having a great time. They're not somewhere floating around, you know, like vapors and spirits and wandering around, you know, until the resurrection. They are very much alive and very real. Okay? My, my, heaven is a place. Second of all, heaven is prepared. Heaven is prepared. He said, I go to prepare a place for you. For you. I go and prepare <coughs> a place for you. Heaven's prepared. Heaven just didn't happen. God has prepared heaven. He created heaven. He's created paradise. He's created a new Jerusalem. He said, I'm going to prepare a place for you. Now, what is he talking about? Well, he must be talking about the new Jerusalem. And uh, that's specifically for the church. And he also could have been talking about paradise, about move. Of course, paradise was already, already created there, and he simply moved it. But he said, I'm going to prepare a place. The city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Hebrews eleven sixteen. the Bible said, He hath prepared for them a city. Did God show Abraham heaven? You know, there's indication in Scripture that before man sinned, man had perfect fellowship with God and that God, man, could look up into heaven. Did God uh, roll away the veil of darkness, the, the swallowing band of clouds and darkness, and let Abraham look at the city? I don't know where God did that or not, but the Bible said he looked for a city. We know he told him he had to tell him about it, whose builder and maker was God. Abraham lived near the Chaldees. Abraham lived in Iraq. And, and uh, uh, he lived among a bunch of heathen people, a bunch of idol worshipers. And uh, no doubt lived in the city. But God said, I, Abraham, I have something better for you. And God told him about this place. Maybe let him see it. And the Bible said, Abraham, look for this city. That God had described to him. Whose builder and maker is God. He hath prepared for them a city. In the book of Matthew, chapter 20, 
verse 20 through 23, you have the mother of James and John there, the son of Zebedee's children, comes and said to the Lord, said, uh, uh, I would like for my sons, one to sit on your right hand, one on your left, uh, when you come into your kingdom. And the Lord said, it's not mine to give, but it shall be given to those whom it is prepared of my Father. Those it is prepared for, they will fill that place. Now he said, I go and prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you. You know what this tells me? This speaks of individuality. You know there's no two of us in here alike. We all have different likes and dislikes. If I said tonight, what is your favorite color? Everybody will not like the same color, would you? We'd have all different ideas. I like this color. I like that color. I like yellow. My wife can't stand yellow. And we have to live in the same house. So I had to get rid of my yellow bathroom. But <laughs> now some shades of yellow I can't stand. I don't like old yucky yellow. It's got to be just right. Miss Johnson, I know she likes green. <laughs> and Sandy likes purple. And I don't know what your color is, but people have different ideas, don't they? People like different colors. And different things, I like different colors. I wouldn't want a yellow car. So we have different likes and different dislikes. And sometimes, you know, I hear people criticize things, you know, and, and, and they, they say, man, how, how, what, how ugly. Well, if it pleases you, it don't bother me, you know. If, if you like it, more power to you. <laughs> and uh, people are different. People are individuals, and God made us that way. He said, I go to prepare a place for you. I don't think he has in mind necessarily. I'm going to build a, a city for everybody. I believe it's going to be individual. Individualized. God didn't make two snowflakes alike. He didn't make two people alike. He didn't make two leaves alike. And I don't think two mansions will be exactly alike. God said, I'm going to prepare a place for you. For you individually. I'll guarantee you'll be happy in heaven. You'll like what God has prepared for you. You know, you'll probably never get your dream house or whatever dream car people have, you know. People talk about dream cars and all cars costing $80,000. If I had $80,000, I wouldn't spend it on a car. That's crazy. Now, people will have a couple of million. I don't guess that matters. But people, they dream. Oh, if I just had that, I'd be happy. You wouldn't be any happier than you are now. That don't make you happy. It may for a day or two. You get that catalog of coupons, it makes you sad. <laughs> but uh, the dream home, oh, if I just had this. Well, one day God's going to give you your dream house. Think about that. Don't get, too, don't get too tied up with this world. If you never have exactly what you'd like to have, don't you worry about it. You just live for God and serve Him and work for Him. God said, I've prepared a place for you. I'm going I'm to prepare a place that's exactly what you need, exactly what you would desire, exactly what you would want. I'm going to build you a house that's going to be out of this world. Prepare. I go to prepare a place for you. Now, 1 Peter 1, 4, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that fadeth 
not a way reserved in heaven for you. I like that. God said, I've reserved it for you. Nobody else can move into my mansion. And I like the part where he says it's incorruptible and it's undefiled. I might have to paint my house again. And uh, there's upkeep. Fellow stopped by the other evening wanting to sell aluminum side. I thought, man, that's, that's, that's uh, not aluminum uh, vinyl. So I listened to him. And, uh, oh, it sounded good. Man, no more painting. I said, how much is it? <laughs> he said, $4 and something a foot. Whoo! I did a little quick figuring. I said, we probably talking about, uh, and he said, well, that's, you get a 20% discount, and, you know, all this. I said, that's probably going to be about nine or $10,000. Yeah, that's about, probably about right. I have to measure it to be sure. I said, I think I'll paint some more. <laughs> get the old brush out and paint some more. But I'm looking for a country and a place, thank God, a house I won't have to paint, a house I won't have any upkeep on, a house that the Lord says, I've gone to prepare for you. Not only is it prepared, but it's also pure. It's a pure place. Peter said it's undefiled. Now God is pure, 1 John 3, 3. Every man that hath his hope in him purifieth himself even as he is pure. And God being pure and perfect and holy certainly could never do anything that was any less. Whatever God does, it is forever. You can't improve on what God does. And God makes it pure. When God made this earth, it was pure. Death and decay and corruption, everything, the curse of God touched everything on this earth. Everything on this earth is a dying. You ever think about that? Everything's a dying. But God said this place will be pure. God's words are pure. Psalm 12, 6. His words are pure. And James 1, 27 talks about pure religion. Now, Revelation 21, 2 talks about it being a holy city. I saw in the New Jerusalem the holy city, a holy city. I don't advise anybody to live in the city. I'm a country fellow. I just like the country. It's hard to find the country anymore, you know, unless you get way out. But I like the country. You know where I'd like to live? About a mile back in the woods. You know my wife, by that sigh, she's not like that. She likes people. I like people too. I just don't want to see them out of every window. <laughs> but uh, it's a holy city. City life you can't say cities are holy. Cities are wicked and vile. But God said this city is holy. And it's so big, there's going to be plenty of room. I think the New Jerusalem is going to be a country city <laughs> if there is such a thing. There's going to be plenty of room. It's a holy city. It'll be pure. Revelation 22.1 talks about the pure river of water of life. For seeing out the throne of God, pure water, a pure, pure city, a pure earth. As a celebrating Earth Day today. You know what this is, don't you? I think tomorrow is the actual day. You know what it is? I brought it out when I preached on the New Age movement. And a thing in the world, a bunch of New Agers worshiping the earth. They're not interested in God. They're uh, worshiping the earth and worshiping themselves. Catch me celebrating Earth Day. I, now, I believe we ought to keep our environment clean as possible. I'm for all that. 
but uh, this world is headed for judgment in spite of all anybody can do. But thank God we, we have a pure country to look forward to. And he says it's pure. And Revelation 22, 3 says there will be no curse there. There'll be no curse. And if there's no curse, there's no sin. Because sin's what brought the curse. Matthew 5, 8, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Now, a pure, a pure city requires pure people. What makes, what make, what is corrupt in the earth? Corrupt people. What makes cities corrupt and evil? Wicked people. That's what makes it like it is. Wickedness of man's heart. This place is going to be pure. Psalm 24 says, Psalm 24. Find it here. Psalm 24, verse 3 through 5. Who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord? Who shall stand in his holy place? He that hath clean hands and a pure heart, who hath not lifted up his soul into vanity, nor sworn deceitfully, he shall receive the blessing from the Lord. Righteousness and the God of his salvation. Who shall ascend under the hill of the Lord? Who shall stand in his holy place, he said? He that hath clean hands and a pure heart. This place is pure. God said the only ones getting in are people with pure hearts and clean hands. And the only one can give us, that's the Lord. Heaven is going to be pure. Not only that. Heaven's going to be populated. Populated. Turn to Hebrews 12. Hebrews 12. Nehemiah 9, 6 talks about the host of heaven. Jeremiah 33, 22. I already give you that verse talking about the innumerable host of heaven. But Hebrews 12 gives us eight things in heaven. Hebrews 12, 22. But you're come unto Mount Zion. There's the first thing. He's not talking about the, uh, the literal Mount Zion that Jerusalem is built on in, in Israel. Talking about a heavenly Mount Zion. And unto the city of the living God. The heavenly Jerusalem. And to an innumerable company of angels to the general assembly and church of the firstborn, which are written in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of just men made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaketh better things than that of Abel. Eight things in these three verses that are in heaven. We find the blood of Jesus is there. Verse 24, the last part. Jesus is there. Verse 24. The spirits of just men made perfect is in heaven. Verse 23. God, the judge of all, is in heaven. The general assembling church of the firstborn is in heaven. An innumerable company of angels, the sixth thing in heaven, the heavenly Jerusalem, which is the city of the living God, the seventh thing, and Mount Zion, eight things, they're in heaven. God tells us about. And again, He tells us the church is there. So, those that have died in Christ are in heaven. This is another scripture that supports that. Heaven is populated. God's there. Jesus is there. Angels are there. Saints of God are there. Old Testament saints. New Testament saints. Everybody from Adam till now that died saved is in heaven. And there's still plenty of room. Heaven's populated. Heaven's a large place. And we talk about the multitudes going to hell. There's a whole lot going to heaven too. There's a million and a half going every year. We know that for sure. We know there's a million and a half going because there's that many abortions and all them go to heaven. 
That's not counting all the little babies that die before they reach the age of mature accountability. They go to heaven when they die. And then all those that are believers, all those that are saved and they die, they go to heaven. So there's quite a bunch going to heaven every year. You ever think about that? A million and a half a year. You say, after a while, heaven will be, uh, heaven will be overpopulated. No, I don't think so. It'd be interesting if God had showed us. As far as I know, there's not any scripture that tells us exactly, unless I've overlooked it, but uh, how large heaven is. But it, it's, it's large enough to handle the crowd. There's tens of thousands of billions, no doubt, of angels and, and uh, plenty of room. Heaven's a large place. It is a populated place. Hell is populated, but heaven is also populated. Now, not only is it populated, but it's protected. Turn to Deuteronomy 32. Deuteronomy 32. Deuteronomy 32. Deuteronomy 32. Verse 36. Page 253, Deuteronomy 32, uh, 32, 36. For the Lord shall judge his people and repent himself for his servants. When he saith that their power is gone, there is none shut up or left. And he shall say, Where are their gods, their rock in whom they trusted? Which did eat the fat of their sacrifices and drink the wine of their drink offerings? Let them rise up and help you and be your protection. God's really mocking them. See now that I, even I am he, and there is no God with me. I kill, I make alive, I wound, I heal. Neither is there any that can deliver out of my hand. For I lift up my hand to heaven and say, I live forever. If I whet my glittering sword and mine hand shall take hold on vengeance, on judgment, I will render vengeance to mine enemies and will reward them that hate me. I will make mine arrows drunk with blood and my sword shall devour flesh and that with the blood of the slain, of the captives, and the beginner of revenges upon the enemy. Rejoice, O your nations, with his people, for he will avenge the blood of his servants, and will render vengeance to his adversaries, and will be merciful unto his land and to his people. And so here we have uh, a revelation of who God is. I read this simply to let you know that God's able to protect heaven. The devil brought an uprising against God and the Lord was well able to handle that. You say, well, why has God let the devil loose these, uh, these uh, 6,000 years? Well, God has a plan and a purpose. He could already throw him in the lake of fire. No trouble with God to do that. But the Lord has allowed the devil to run loose, I believe, to fulfill his plan and to give man a choice. You can choose to follow the devil or the Lord. And one day he'll get what's coming to him. But God says you go follow your gods and see if they can help you. He said, I'm God. I live forever. If I lift up my sword, I take care of my enemies. I take care of the devil. And I'll take care of my enemies. What's going to keep that that happened in Genesis from happening again? We find in Revelation 21, 12, the Bible says, And had a wall great and high, and twelve gates, the gates twelve angels, names written thereon, which are the names of the twelve tribes of, of the children of Israel. In those days, in Bible days, a wall meant security. It meant protection. And in verse 27, And there shall in no wise enter into it anything that defileth, neither whatsoever worketh abomination or maketh alive, but they which are written in the Lamb's book of life. God said, I'm going to guard the city and I'm going to make sure sin never touches it again. And if you read about the wicked and the devil, he's going to, you read Revelation, he's going to put the beast and the false prophet in, in the lake of fire. He's going to throw the devil in the lake of fire. He's going to throw all the wicked in the lake of fire. And then God said, uh, beyond that, I'm going to guarantee, I'm going to make sure that none of this crowd ever walk in the gates. God said, I'm going to protect it. I'm going to protect 
this city. Then a couple more things, and I'll be through. Not only is it a protected place, but it's also peaceful. You read Revelation 21 and 22. Talking about their eternal home now. He says, God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. There shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. And then turn to Micah chapter 4, where he describes the millennium, but this will carry on over into the eternal age. And Micah, book of Micah, somewhere here, Micah chapter 4, page 948, book of Daniel, Daniel, Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, and Micah. Micah chapter 4 and verse 1 through 4. And in the last days it shall come to pass, the mountain of the house of the Lord shall be established in the top of the mountains. It shall be exalted above the hills, and people shall flow unto it. And many nations shall come and say, Come and let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, he will teach us of his ways. We will walk in his paths. For the law shall go forth of Zion and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. You know what's going to be the rule of law in the millennium? This book. person doesn't like the word of God, they wouldn't like the millennium. Because this will be the law. But God said the nations will like it then because it will be implemented in judge, judge justice. He shall judge among many people, rebuke strong nations afar off. They shall beat their swords into plowshares, their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up a sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. It's going to be peaceful. They shall sit every man under his vine, under his fig tree. None shall make them afraid. For the mouth of the Lord of hosts has spoken it. And all people will walk, everyone, in the name of his God. We will walk in the name of the Lord our God forever and ever. Now, this does not mean people are going to have all kind of different gods. It simply means that God will be the God of everybody, and he will be especially the God of Israel, the Lord our God, referring to Israel. But he said, every man will sit under his vine under his fig tree, and none shall make them afraid. What a day. You lock your doors at night? You better. When I first built my house and went to get some insurance on it, they said, if you'll put deadbolt locks, we'll, we'll give you a discount. I said, I'll do it. Deadbolt locks. You know what they're saying? They had a bunch of crooks out there. We're living in a world of wickedness. But God said there's coming today when the world will live in peace. And Jesus is going to rule with a rod of iron. Every man will sit under his vine, under his fig tree, and not have to be afraid. Reminds me of the old-fashioned days. People sit on their porches, and they want as much fear as they are today. Sit on the porches at night and talk, fellowship. And we've lost that. We've lost a generation. You know, I was just thinking, thinking about next Sunday. And I thank God that God let me be born when I was born and get a little experience and a little taste of what life used to be. Kids growing up now, they don't have any idea. And they've missed many of the valuable lessons that we learned. God said it'd be peaceful. And then the last thing and the part that I like above all and that is, it's possible to go there. We could talk about such a place. We could describe its glory and its wonder and its beauty. And we haven't even talked about the New Jerusalem and give you a description, but you're familiar with it. And we really haven't described the 
the beauties of heaven itself now. The Bible in Revelation 4 talks about that in other scriptures. But uh, we could talk all about that, about how wonderful heaven is and it's eternal and, and God is preparing a place for us. But if it was not possible, why hear about it? Hear about all this and yet never be able to partake of it. It's possible. For most of us, we'll never be rich. And we'll never live in a mansion. And we'll never know how the upper class live. But God said, I've got something far better than that. And it's possible. And the best part I like is free. If you had to buy it, how much would it cost? How much would it cost to buy the pure, transparent streets of gold? It's amazing some of the prices of land anymore, and especially if you, if you have a paved street and all that that goes with it. It's unbelievable what they'll ask you for this old place to put up, build a house, big enough to build your house. How would you like to buy a lot in Hallelujah Avenue with pure water, pure water. You can drink right from the river. No pollution in it. Have all these fruit trees, 12 different kinds of fruits on the same tree. My wife would pick her bananas and I'd get my apples off the same tree. <laughs> A tree... Tree bear 12 kinds of fruits, get your crop every month, frost never kill it. I'm praying for good weather the next two or three weeks. I've got my peach trees are just loaded with little peaches. They've been killed last three or four years. I think got one or two last year. But a place where the weather's perfect, a place where fruit bears every uh, every month, 12 different kinds of fruit. Street of pure, transparent gold. How do you like to buy a lot there? What do you think would be the asking price? With a matching on it. Well, if we had to buy it, we couldn't afford could we? If you own the world, if you own the world and said, God, how much will this buy me in heaven? It won't get you one square inch. But the Lord said, I'll give it to you if you'll accept my son. If you'll let me make you fit for heaven, you'll let me do a work in your heart and change you, give you a new heart, make you pure in heart, give you clean hands, give you a glorified body. If you'll let me work on you, make you fit and pure where you want to file it, mess it up, I'll let you have it for free. And I thank God there was a day in my life and I said, yes, Lord, go ahead. Do the work. Make me fit for heaven. And he did. John 14 there says, I go to prepare this place. And he said, I'll come again. I'm going to get you. Thomas said, well, Lord, we don't know where you're going. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. He said, I'm the way there. And in closing, Revelation 22, 17, we have the great invitation. He says, Revelation 22, 17, The Spirit and the Bride say, Come. Let him that hears say, Come. Let him as a thirst come. Whosoever will, let him take the water life freely. I like that word freely, don't you? There's a hurl of the gates. I think of these gates of pearl. And there's a man there speaking out. The Spirit and the Bride say, Come. If you want to live in this city, come on. It's free. 
pure river of life. These Earth Day folks, you know, if they could just get their mind off of themselves and off of this earth and get their all this humanism out of them and see something better, God says you can have a pure place for free.